throughout my life. The Ten Rings gave our family power. If you want them to be yours one day, you have to show me you are strong enough to carry them. You are a product of all who came before you. The legacy of your family. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lug It All Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Directed by Destin Daniel Creighton. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is a 2021 American superhero film based on Marvel's comics featuring the Shang-Chi character. Produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures, it is the 25th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The film was directed by Destin Daniel Creighton, and uh, from a screenplay he wrote with Dave Callahan and Andrew Lamb, Lanham. It stars Simeon Liu as Shang-Chi alongside Aquafina, um, Major Zhang, um, Fala Chilin, Florian Montelou, and Benedict Wong, Michelle Yeoh and Ben Kingsley alongside uh, Tony Leong. Uh, once again, sorry if I don't get those names all correct. That was kind of uh, falling downhill for me when trying to pronounce all those. So just bear with me. Again, no disrespect to the actors. I'm just trying to, you know, uh, pronounce everything as all should be good. I don't know what that last line was just scratch that <laughs> continuing on um in the film shang chi is forced to confront his past when his father win wu played by tony leong the leader of the ten rings organization draws shang chi and his sister xiling into a search for a mythical village so let's talk a little bit about the uh, the pros, the cons, the technicals, the behind the scenes, all the stuff we like to talk about before we get into the spoiler section. If you are new to the podcast, uh, thank you for listening to the podcast, either on YouTube, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, got Google Podcast, so many different ways to listen to the Luck It All podcast. Thank you for subscribing, thumbs upping, whatever you're doing to support the podcast. I see so many more people have subscribed in the last uh, 30 days. I think we had like... Oh, like 40 something subscribers and that's just amazing i can't do this without you i know that it means that you like what you're hearing it means you know what you're gonna get you're gonna get some craziness you might get some good hot drops you're gonna get some good reviews and some fun along the way so let's talk about uh a little bit of behind the scenes for shang chi i'm really unfamiliar with uh destin daniel creighton the uh director but he's best well known for uh his films short term 12 in 2013 the glass castle 2017 just mercy i think that was with uh, michael b jordan in 2019 and now he is in the uh shang chi marvel cinematic universe and so you know what's saying all this um I'm a little bit uh, in the dark about his actual uh, work in films, but I got to say, coming off of watching Eternals, now I know Shang-Chi came out technically before Eternals, but um, honestly, watching Eternals and then going into Shang-Chi, I was blown the fuck away. I got to say, Shang-Chi brought what I was looking for in... uh, a newly developed world when it comes down to opening up uh, an origin story character. I'm not going to say that this is a perfect movie by any means. I mean, it is 25 films into the Marvel U- Cinematic Universe. They have a lot of they've we've seen a bajillion different ways to have fights. We've seen 20 different ways to have an origin story. So let's have one that makes it that much more interesting. Now, some people are going to say this is the Black Panther of 
uh, Asian cinema, the introduction for it, for uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And to an extent, I'm not going to disagree. I, I think that that's kind of a fair assessment. It's taking a lot of the cultural uh, icons and iconography that you would see of uh, of Asian cinema and bringing it to uh, a Western uh viewpoint, I guess is what I would say, more a Western perspective, because this is still very much an American film in the way that it's presented. Um, and I think that the ways that its uh, tonal themes kind of run through it as well. Now, I will say from the iconography, there's there's so many things that I can't talk about till spoiler section, but that really capture the eye when it comes down to the historical values of having um Asian cinema and iconography that is sprinkled in to the movie. Now, is that patronizing to an extent? It's like, hey, we're going to do all this so that we can capture the Asian uh, or Chinese market. Um, not exactly, because you could say that they were kind of doing the same thing for Black Panther, trying to get uh, the black uh, uh, family demographic or the Latin family demographic when it came down to something like Coco or something like that. I mean, it's all a matter of time till we get like a, a real Latin superhero that has this has this vibe in it as well. I have I'm I'm a little bit more um uh mixed on it because uh I'd I, I kind of fit into two different ponds like I you know was adopted at a very young age so I feel way more Americanized but it does feel like I want to see myself represented on screen as well so it's like I don't want to exactly see a full Latin superhero character straight up representing um in, you know South America and everything but it would be nice to see that to an extent that would be somewhat Americanized as well because I think there's probably isn't from demographic wise, I think it goes Caucasian, black, Latin, Indian or or, or uh, Chinese. I'm not exactly sure, but from a size that is um, that is in the uh, American movie markets. I'm just saying that's the uh, largest markets generally go from that direction. So they're trying to tap into the Latin market as well. Um totally see the business perspective side of Shang-Chi. And so um, kind of continuing on, let's uh, let's talk about it. A film based on Shang-Chi entered development in 2001, but did not work, uh, did not begin until earnest until December 2018 when Callahan was hired <clears throat> Creighton joined in March 2019 with the project fast-tracked uh, as Marvel Marvel's first film with an Asian lead. The film's title and prim primary cast were announced that July, um, revealing the film's connection to the Ten Rings organization, which previously appeared throughout the MCU with its uh, and its leader Win Yu. Uh, sorry, Win Wu. Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings is the first Marvel film with an Asian director and predominantly Asian cast. Uh, very similar to like how Black Panther was. Um, filming began Sydney in uh, February 2020. And when I say Black Panther, I meant like the black demographic. Um, Filming began in Sydney in February 2020, but was put on hold due to COVID-19 pandemic. I did notice that um, this movie didn't really feel like a COVID production, in my opinion. I think they did a good job of making it not feel like it um, had taken place in a world um, such as a world such as ours that has the, the pandemic going on. Um, so production resumed in August before completing in October um, with additional shooting occurring in San Francisco. I know that this made it a little bit more difficult to shoot in China, which I know they wanted to do. So I'm not sure if they actually got to do that or not. I'll see if I can find that out. I don't see that actually happening right now. It's probably um, probably was um, on location in most uh, states. So um, what do we have? What do we have? Um, Shang-Chi. Oh, let me 
Wipe my, wipe my nose, sorry. Gotta wipe my nose. Get some hands in. There we go. Sorry. Oh, goodness. It's getting cold out there, so I'm getting the sniffles and stuff like that. I know y'all didn't need to hear that, but you know what? That's what you sign up for. You get the goods. You get to know. You get to know way too much about the stuff. All right. <laughs> you can probably tell I had a little bit of coffee before this, so I'm a little bit hyped up. But we're going to need it to get to crack through this egg. That is uh, Shang-Chi. So um, we talked about the director, screenplay, story by, based on, everybody all knew that we went through the cast. Cinematography, I did, I was, um, I thought the cinematography was still pretty good. Um, I'm not too familiar with uh, William Pope right off the top of my head. Let me say, um, he worked on The Matrix um, with the Wachowskis and he did the Wachowskis reloaded and revolutions with them as well. Spider-Man two. Okay. He's done Spider-Man three. Okay. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Okay. This is not a guy. I would have thought that this is the cinematographer for all these. Damn. He did a lot. Um, yeah. Scott Pilgrim versus the world, uh, men in black three, uh, Edgar Wright's at the world's end, the jungle book with, uh, Favreau baby driver. These are big hits. This guy has got a lot of like stuff under his belt, baby driver with Edgar Wright. Um, I've heard the good things, good things about the kid who would be King by Joe Cornish. Sorry. I'm just going through this. He's got a lot of hits under his belt. I think these are, these are pretty big, big, uh, Big budget films, Alita Battle Angel, Robert Rodriguez, Charlie's Angels with Elizabeth Banks. I know that was kind of more or less a flop, but it still is a big budget, I, I would assume. Um, Boys in the Band didn't see that. Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Okay, we saw that. And now he's going to be the um, uh, cinematographer for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantum Mania with Peyton Reed uh, directing. Um, that is quite an impressive, uh, resume by Bill Pope. My goodness. So let's continue on to what else have we got? Um, yeah, there, I wouldn't say there was anything that, that was that crazy about this, um, cinematography that, you know, blew me away. I would say that it was, um, you know, well put together. It looked like a Marvel film. A lot of Marvel films kind of have this like mid contrast look kind of steely glass um, kind of over sheen about it. And I will say going through this movie, there are a handful of scenes that the CGI just does not even look finished. I I, I was flat out surprised how bad some of the scenes um, looked in contrast to other scenes. Um, that just as a little bit of a, a, prelude to what we're going into how i felt about the movie but you know overall i was um more or less entertained um not so much moved by it but i thought that the um the stunt work i believe there's a stunt coordinator on here i think he was named his name was uh if i can find the stunt coordinator's name and everything i'll, I'll go through all that but it was a, a very famous stunt coordinator on here that ended up passing away not too long ago um, and I thought the stunts and in this, that, that were shot in this were amazing. I thought that the, uh, the choreography and everything had kind of evoked a Jackie Chan-esque, almost Bruce Lee-esque kind of hyper-realized version in this MCU. And there's many scenes where, uh, our main character is kind of like fighting within, on uh like on a bus or he's fighting on um practical what feel like practical sets that i feel like we haven't seen done in marvel films in quite a while and the way that we have the one one take wide angle shots in some scenarios that it's very visible to see that's the best things about this movie are the fact that you can see the fights it's different types of fighting styles than we've ever seen on um uh on marvel films before i'm trying to find the uh what's it called let's see if i can't find this guy can i not do it oh this is not that's is not 
think his name was Brad. Okay, so the supervising stunt coordinator, Brad Allen, I believe is who I was thinking of. Um, he's he's worked alongside uh I think he he was he was the guy that worked alongside uh Drunken Master 3. He was a action choreographer. Um is that the guy I'm thinking of? Yeah, yeah, he he is cuz um he is passed away at 48, I think. Let me see. Okay, so Brad Allen began boxing. Sorry, this is a little diverge uh segment from Shang-Chi, but like I said, I wanted to go into kind of the nitty-gritty of what the uh stunt coordinator and the behind the scenes of this movie are. So the stunt coordinator of this Shang-Chi movie, Brad Allen began boxing karate training around 10 studied wushu gymnastics and gymnastics from age 14 spending two years under the beijing wushu team members lai chang zing tai lei wing um compatriots of actor jet lee okay so that's who he worked with um he was also trained in a number of other martial uh, arts including karate aikido hapkaido hapkido Taekwondo, Wing Chun. We talked about that Wing Chun with Itman. Um, we talked about all four of those movies. Um, uh, boxing, kickboxing. The dude was a freaking badass. Um, yeah, and he later spent time at Shanghai Institute, uh, Institute Sport and Learning Mandarin. Made his first made his first film appearance in the unofficial sequel of film. Drunken Master 3. I swear that he worked with... Okay, so he did work with Jackie Chan. Okay, so later that year, in 97, he heard Jackie Chan was filming Mr. Nice Guy in Melbourne and knew of the Australian crew. He was invited to demonstrate his martial arts style with for the action film director, Cho Wing, and Alan made an appearance in the film, who was later signed for a role in Chan's next Hong Kong film, Who Am I? Okay, so that's kind of his connection to uh, to uh, the cinema. And he also was working with Edgar Wright in 2010 on Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Okay, so that's how it, why, that, this is how his connection is to Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And the same that uh, uh, cinematographer. Also, same guys have worked on Chronicles of Riddick. Chan's stunt. Okay, so in addition to being a member of uh, Jackie Chan's stunt team, Alan gained choreography, direction roles in major Hollywood films, including The Chronicles of Riddick, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Okay, so I ended up seeing that. I don't. I don't remember it being too crazy on those two, but I was pretty impressed about that by the action on this. So, um, yeah, it was uh, the action. Is is definitely to 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 go for the appreciation for of uh, Brad Allen's contributions there. So um, let's hop into a little bit more of the pros and the cons of the uh, movie before we get into the spoiler section. Um, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings premiered in Los Angeles on October 16, twenty twenty one, and was released in the United States on September third as part of Phase Four of the MCU. Some would say a bumpy Phase Four. Um, I have seen just about all of the shows except for the Hawkeye show, uh, including What If. And I got to say, there's been some hits, there's been some misses. Some of it feels a little bit not as well paced. Some of it definitely feels like it was a little bit lower budget than others. Overall, Loki has been my favorite show. Um, but I think Shang-Chi would go up there with one of my favorite movies of phase four thus far in comparison to, uh, what was it? Eternals. Eternals felt mismatched and, uh, just dull, just dull in the ways that I was not expecting. And I think a lot of it is, can be contributed to expectation. And uh, so I tried to temper my expectation, but it's still, uh, I was like, damn. <laughs> my uh, Our expectations were low, but God dang. <laughs> the film broke several, um, Shang-Chi the, and the Ten Rings, the film broke several box office records for the pandemic and has grossed 
$1.6 million worldwide, making it the eighth highest grossing film in 2021. It garnered positive reviews from critics, many of whom praised the choreography of the action sequences from Brad Allen, as we said, exploration of the representation of Asian culture, like I said, and the um, performances from the cast, particularly those of Lau and Leong. Um, and again, I, th I believe I'm saying that correctly. A runtime of 132 minutes. Um, movies cannot be under two hours these days. Um, that must be like a cinema law or something like that, my lord. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, music by Joel P. West. I, I liked the music. I thought it, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it felt reassuring as a new character. Um, I didn't quite think the hip hop mix always worked in it because there was some times that it kind of tried to do the the Black Panther um, mix of like this, quote unquote, Wakandan kind of African blend with hip hop in some ways. And I think what Lou Ludwig Garrison or whatever that guy's the composer's name is. Um, sorry, I'm getting the Black Panther's composer's name wrong, but um, I thought his sound was very unique and fit for what we were watching. I didn't really think the hip hop quote, quote unquote hip hopness of Shang-Chi was always necessary in my opinion. I think that, um, you know, with saying that Shang-Chi needed to have its own sound and generally it did have its own unique sound with the exception of when it started to kind of blend in the little hip hopness when I didn't necessarily think it made sense to always have that. So, um, budget of 150 to 200 million. I remember when 150 to 200 million was like considered a lot to, to, uh, most movies. Um, what was it? Uh, justice league, I believe was around 200 million. Um, one that I, always sticks in my head that I think they just used a lot, utilize the hell out of their budget. Um, I think Lord of the Rings was around 100 to 150, the first one. And then Watchmen, 2009. I think both of those movies look really good for how much money that was put into them at that time. Which, in in consideration, I think uh, 150 to 200 million, I guess, is going to be the new standard for most, you know, big budget superhero movies. So... Before we hop into the spoiler section, um, once again, thank you for watching, listening, look at our podcast, the pros and the cons of the movie. I think I've, I've said it, um, the majority of the performances I thought really well work really well. The compelling parts of the movie really come from the dynamic of, uh, the two main leads of Leong and, um, Lau. And it's because of those two, um, having an emotional connection i think makes this movie that much that much more unique to it um let me think anything else uh there is a third act kind of reveal that completely feels corporate based it said corporate said oh we need to put this right here right there and we're going to have a big apology and we're going to have a gift shop we're going to walk through and it's all going to be sponsored by yours truly this random character that ends up popping up so i'll talk about it in spoiler section but i think that's when the movie kind of loses me just to a, a hair it doesn't feel like that was always in in the film and it easily could be removed or shortened but it's elongated and it really puts a dent in the movie in a way that's like damn if that was only a five to ten minute segment and not a 30 or i don't know if it wasn't a 20 minute segment i would say i would want to go back and rewatch this movie i think the biggest thing that's deterring me from rewatching it at this point is how dang long it is it's uh, I haven't had a lot of time to rewatch things just because of how much uh, content is being released on a weekly basis. Um, so 
just off this, I'm like, holy Santa Claus, whatever we can do to um, shorten it up and make it more concise. Not shorter is not always better, but this, you know, the way they do it here, not like this. Please not like this. So um, let's hop into spoiler section. For Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Giving everybody time to loosen up, get a little drink, get a little smoke, get a little what you ever got to do. Get a little drink, get a little smoke, get a little accept. You shouldn't do that stuff because that's bad. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> I was uh, trying to do a little dance or something like that while everybody either gets the pause button because they don't want to listen to the spoiler section or they want to get a little bit of popcorn because we about to hop in that pop. I mean that uh, spoiler section. We about to hop and pop in that spoiler section. We gonna rock and lock in the spoiler section. Now let's get it. Let's get it. Wheeze, baby. Wheeze. Wheeze. Wheezy. Okay. <laughs> okay, so y'all are like, is this guy ever going to start the goddamn review? Mm, get a little water. Hmm. <clears throat> Here's the spoiler section. Around a thousand years ago, Zhu Wen Wu discovers the mystical ten rings which grant immortality and godly powers. He establishes the ten rings organization, conquering kingdoms and toppling governments throughout history. In 1996, Wen Wu searches for Ta Lo, a village said to harbor mystic, mythical beast. He travels through a magical forest to the village entrance, but is stopped by guardian Ying Li. The two fall in love, and when the Ta Lo villagers reject Win Wu, Lee chooses to leave with him. They marry and have two children, Shang-Chi and Xiling. Win Wu abandons his organization and locks away the Ten Rings. So, I gotta say, the opening is freaking badass. All of the action. I, I was very skeptical about how the the visuals of the rings were going to look. In comparison, I keep comparing this to uh, Eternals very much of how they're having to introduce new characters in the same way. Got a dynamics, patriarchies, that type of thing. Hierarchies, whatever the different, whatever. Um, all the hierarchies. Um, I think this one does it a lot better by focusing and showing us emotion, showing us story, showing us character building. And I realized that it was a, the action became a dance and it was almost according, um, for the two individuals at the beginning of Wen Wu and Ying Li. And it was beautiful. Um, and once again, sometimes, sometimes the, uh, what's it called? Special effects didn't always look that great. But I will say the two really made it believable that these were in love. The, these two individuals were in love. So uh, Wu abandons his organization and locks away the Ten Rings. When Shang-Chi is seven years old, Lee is murdered by Wen Wu's enemies, the Iron Gang. Uh, 
And when this goes down, we're, we're shown this in a uh, flashback through um, Shang-Chi talking to Aquafina's character. And it was like, holy shit, is this really going to go down like this? And they went down like that. I was like, I... Th- I literally thought we were going to get like a badass scene of his mother like kicking ass, but no, it's just like the mother is like all of a sudden standing there getting ready to take, you know, she's getting ready to hit him with a wing chun or something like that. And it's just like, are we going to see this lady take on like 20 gangsters? And it doesn't go down like that. It's not, it, it's not a pretty sight. It's, as a matter of fact, I don't even know if, I don't think we see anything. All we do is hear it. Um, still really hard to even imagine. And of course, Shang-Chi's like, he's a child and stuff like this. And to an extent, his father is kind of blaming him in, in a way. It's like, what did you want him to do? Did you want him all to get taken? So, um, and he wasn't there. So I just like, oh, this sucks. Um, so anyways, when Wu sends... Okay, so so when uh, his mother is Lee is murdered by Win Wu's enemies, the Iron Gang. When Wu dons the Ten Rings once again, massacres the Iron Gang, and this is all like in front of his son, like hit him over, ha ha ha, like right in front of his son, and his son is just like. And I got to say the the camera is just like lingering like in the room and I got to I'm pretty sure it's like uh, might be a one take and you just see these guys getting fucked up left and right from the rings and the shit and the fuck and the push and the push. And I'm just like, God dang. Um, I mean, they all deserve it. But right in front of a son. Um, yeah, didn't have to didn't have to do a son like that. Um He makes Shang-Chi undergo brutal training in martial arts. Like, he's straight up abusing his son uh, at this point. Um, And has this guy looking like snake eyes trying to, like, beat the shit out of him. He's like a samurai snake eyes beating the hell out of young Shang-Chi, trying to get him, training him up, and just making him a badass. Um, um, But does not allow... Xiling to train with the others so she teaches herself in secret that's his sister there is a big underlying message of um like women being excluded in i think that that is a big part of unfortunately in in asian culture how women Asian women have been excluded, especially with uh, the one child policy and stuff like that, where I, th- I think you can only have one child. And if it was a girl, they, most people would give it a, give the child away. Some really some really messed up stuff. Um, so there has just always been somewhat of, quote unquote, more value, unfortunately, to men and uh, a lot of and a lot of the traditional stance and i think that this movie is doing a good job for putting um a better foot forward for that and showing giving us a sympathetic view of what it would have to what she would have to go through to you know go, really go through this i mean not exactly that you'd be using 10 rings or anything like that but you can you can relate to her in a way through her shoes you can watch her how she's having to deal with this in, in a way. And, and, and to a, another extent, I almost wish we would have got more of his sister. I think his sister is almost just as more, just as interesting as, uh, Sean is, is just as much as, uh, any character on here is. Um, so yeah, his sister had to fight for it just as hard too. So I, I think this is giving a good, relatively good progressive message with that. Um, so when Shang, sorry, his name is Shang. When Shang Chi is fourteen, Wen Wu sends him to assassinate the Iron Gang's leader. After completing his lesson, and he did. After completing his lesson, his mission. Sorry. 
After completing his mission, a traumatized Shang-Chi runs away to San Francisco and adopts the name Sean, which nobody would ever guess. Um, let me see. In, pre in the present day, Shang-Chi works as a parking valet with his best friend, Katie, who does not know anything about his past, who's played by Aquafina, And they're just kind of goofing around doing their own thing, uh, valets at like a hotel or something like that. Um, they are attacked on a bus by the Ten Rings, who steals, uh, who steals a pendant that Lee gave to Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi flies out to meet, uh, and, and sorry, they just kind of skip by this, but this bus fight is amazing. The way that they try to uh, just skim by it in the trailer and show it just as a regular bus fight. I mean, it is straight up like, it's, it's the type of like fighting where Jackie Chan would be like running around all the thing, running around all the fucking uh, uh, windows and all up a wall and stuff like that basically be like a real life spider-man and then he would have to like a maneuver around people and be like oh i'm sorry i'm sorry oh my bad i'm sorry he would always like apologize for everything like that and he this uh sean character very much shang chi um very much is doing the same thing he's kind of like having to interact around like fine women on the bus like oh hey bro, mama oh whoosh, like yeah, i'm gonna like whoosh, you know like do all this crazy shit and it's it's, it's hilarious uh uh sorry had to respond to a little text, but um, let me see what else do we got. So he's attacked by the Ten Rings, and then all this good stuff, uh, crazy action goodness is happening. Brad Allen really brings a fire. What else do we got? Um, okay, so after that, he he decides he needs to fly out to his sister, and during this middle period of the time, we find out all of his backstory with um talking to Aquafina and whatnot. She's kind of like the foil for us to kind of understand what his, what's going on with Sean. Um, so Sean, Chi flies out to meet his sister because he's fearing that the 10 rings will go after her matching pendant from Lee. <clears throat> Sorry. He reveals his past to Katie who insists on helping him. And I got to say that uh, Aquafina is relatively toned down in this uh, movie in comparison to a lot of her other movies. For some reason, she was always insistent on doing kind of like this like thick uh, Brooklyn type yo-yo accent in a way, kind of like talking a little bit of ghetto a little bit. I don't, I don't know what to say exactly. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I am glad she's not doing that right now. And I don't think she needs to do it. I I don't really know why she was ever doing it. She was kind of doing it in, uh, what's it called? Crazy Rich Asians. And I'm just like, mm, straight away. Um, so let me see. Okay, so he tells Aquafina about all this goodness. They find Xi Ling at the underground fight club in Mako, which she founded after escaping from Wenwu at a young age. The Ten Rings attack the fight club, and Wenwu arrives to capture Shang-Chi, Katie, and Xi Ling and her pendant. Um, and Wenwu is kind of an ass. I'm not going to lie that this guy that plays his dad, uh, Tony Liao, I think, um, or is it Leong? Leong, yeah, Leong, um, dude is a badass, and I, f I really feel for this character. He has so much, um, he can say so much with his eyes, and there's a lot of scenes of him just kind of being sad, and he doesn't really have to say much, but we just understand where he's coming from. It's like, holy shit, um. Let me see what else we got like this. Okay, so when he's attacking all of them, it's like, oh, shit. Um, 
so yeah, they find Xiling at an underground fight club in Macau, and then she is found, which she founded after escaping Wen Wu at a young age. Um, and of course, Xiling uh, is a badass in her own right. Um, we get a kind of like an underground. I mean, it is an underground fight club um, that she's running. And she's like the straight up mobster of it. She's like the the kingpin of it. And she's just a badass whooping her brother's ass, unfortunately. Um, but that's just a it's just a way that we can see how they're both matched and how, you know, um, I don't know, her ultimate like sacrifices she has had to do to get to this point, you know. Um, let me see what else we got. Okay, so the Ten Rings attack the Fight Club when Wenwu arrives to capture Shang-Chi and Katie, Xiling, and the Pendant. Um, this is one of the coolest fight scenes. Again, we get like some of the silhouette fights with, I think it's Shang-Chi, and he's having to fight his old master that looks like Snake Eyes kind of in a samurai outfit. And then... Um, it goes into the scaffolding fights and everything like that. Again, the scaffoldings, that's the scaffoldings are like number one thing that, uh, what's his face? Uh, Jackie Chan like using, um, in a lot of his movies. I, when I think of scaffoldings, I think of like rush hour three is like Chris Tucker. Uh, what is it? Uh, Jackie Chan and scaffoldings. <laughs> that's he's the missing third scaffoldings are the missing third character yeah jackie chan absolute badass bruce lee absolute badass and now we got tony leong and of course he's he's badass too so we got a lot of asian badasses um repre representation on he on screen as well so um you know continuing on continuing on um, I will say one part of this movie that I was not terribly crazy about was the American guy, uh, the American white guy that was playing, I think he was American white guy that was playing in the 10 rings and he had like this arm. I, I, I need to kind of go back and see who this guy was again. Uh, razor fist, I think Florian Mun. Montano. Okay, so he's a German Romanian uh, heavyweight boxer. Okay, former heavyweight boxer, actor, model, blah, blah blah. Okay, so um, don't hurt me for one thing. Um, second of all, I didn't think that he really fit in the Ten Rings. I he always stuck out as like a a character that didn't feel like he belonged in the world. But that was just me. Um. I kind of wish they would have done a little bit more work to kind of make make him feel why the why the hell's he got a razor fist or what the, what the hell's going on with that you know, um, so that he was one of my biggest complaints unfortunately, but apparently he was a big ass dude he could barely fit in the bus as well when I was listening to the uh, directors guild pod on Shang Chi they were talking about how big the fucking guy was you could barely fit in the bus <laughs> that would be that would be insane getting an actor that you would have to like you know watch watch out because he can't fit on the set it's like oh shit and what are you going to do you can't get a bigger set at that point cuz it's on a bus or whatever um so let me see so yeah they're trying to get all the pendants and stuff like that i think they already have Shang Chi's at that point they are taken to the Ten Rings compound where Wen Wu used the pendants to reveal a mystical map leading to Tai Lao. Um, or Tai Lo. Wen Wu explains that um, he has heard Li calling to him and believes she is being held captive in Tai Lo behind a sealed gate. Which is oddly specific, but it's like, okay. Um... So he plans to destroy the village unless they release her. When his children and Katie, sorry, when his children and Katie object, he imprisons them. And I will say that whole scene, cool. Once again, some of the special effects really work. I think there's like a frozen water coming in special effect at one point. 
thought it looked really cool, but then other scenes with like trees in the background look completely fake. I don't know what the heck's going on. So he imprisons them. Um, and this is exactly where the movie says it felt like they were shooting the movie and someone from Disney said, well, um, excuse me, um, what, you know, where is the, uh, where's the gift shop? Where's all the toys? And where's the forgiveness from Iron Man three of the Mandarin? You know, uh, it's like, okay, so they end up meeting, these three end up meeting Trevor Slattery, um, former actor who was in the Mandarin. Sorry, who was playing a version of the Mandarin that was hired by Guy Pierce in Iron Man 3. So you're like, okay, so uh, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> uh, it means that we are going to have about a 20 minute departure while he talks about some sort of like chicken winged ass looking thing. He's literally got this plushie. That he's trying to tell everyone in the crowd that they need to buy and they need to go home and buy one of these plushies. And he's also going on a tangent about how he's apologizing for being hired as an actor. He's like breaking the fourth wall, apologize, quote unquote, apologizing for being this Mandarin character, basically having a quote unquote non-Asian character play an Asian character. And it's like, what year is it? Why, why are we apologizing this for now, this right now? What I'm just so like confused about what the, I guess that they were, this would, all, I don't know. I don't want to say it, it. They didn't do this type of apology at all in Black Panther or some sort of like, they did, have a big colonization message over it, but I wouldn't say it was a big, uh, you know, call to action of we're sorry kind of thing. Like we're sorry, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I was just like so surprised, uh, that they took the time. I heard that this scene was coming and I heard that there was a quote unquote stop at the gift shop on the way out. Um, before the third act, but they were not fucking kidding. There was like 15 minutes of, uh, Ben Kingsley apologizing and chilling with this fucking, uh, plushy chicken winged ass looking thing. Um, for, like I said, a good 15 minutes and he's just imprisoned with them. And it feels like we are imprisoned with them too, but somehow he knows how to get to Ty low, I believe. So, um, yeah, so the, the Ten Rings impersonated Ben Kingsley for impersonating Win Wu, which is kind of just like, what the fuck? How long has he been down there? <laughs> oh, geez. Apparently there was a, a cut scene where they had actually shown that going on or being happened, that happening or something like that. I don't know. From Iron Man 3. And his, uh, so, so, yeah, Ben Kingsley was imprisoned by the Ten Rings for impersonating Win Wu in... His hun, 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 done, the faceless chicken ass being thing, companion Morris, who offers the guide, who offers to guide them to Taylor. This is a big problem of the movie. This honestly might take it to a, a seven out of 10, but, but it's just like, okay, we don't know how to get them to Taylor. So let's just bump them into this guy. And this is how we're going to do it. Um, that this is exactly what it felt like. Um, didn't feel like organic writing to me, to be honest. But uh, the group explains that, sorry, the group escapes and goes to Tai Lo, which exists in a separate dimension with various Chinese mythical, mythological creatures. Like I said, like dragons and uh, like these bat things and stuff like that. It's got iconography from Chinese lore. And big lion things as well. I'm pretty sure those are from him. Um, they meet Ying Nan, Lee's sister, who explains the history of Talo. Thousands of years ago, the village was attacked by the soul-consuming dweller in darkness and its minions, but was saved by a Chinese dragon 
called The Great Protector, who no one's seen in up, up Until Now, but we're not going to talk about that. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> um, who's helped seal the dark gate to the Dweller's world. Um, according to Nan, the Dweller in Darkness has been influencing Win Wu to believe Lee is still alive so that he will open the gate. Fuck! So Shang-Chi, Zai Ling, and Katie join the villagers in training, in, in combat, and in preparing for Win Wu's arrival using outfits and weapons crafted from dragon scales. Um lego you know we got we got a we got a, a game of thrones style um action scene we got to get to let's do it and it feels like everyone especially um especially disney watched game of thrones and said we can do big budget action we just cannot show anybody having actual blood coming out of any orifices <laughs> i was just like god dang so um because I'm pretty sure they did something very similar in uh, Mulan, but it just was not nearly as compelling. Um, so anyways, when Wu and the Ten Rings arrive um, and attack. Let me get a little water before we start. When Wu overpowers Shang-Chi and forces him into a nearby lake. And I got to say the entire time, I had no idea Shang-Chi was going to have to fight the rings. I thought Shang-Chi was going to have the rings like 90% of the fucking movie. I was like, this dude's going to be like doing all this Wing Chun in it up and, you know, hitting, hitting him with a Wing Chun to the left or a Judy Chop to the right. But... Honestly, he doesn't have any of the rings. He's having to fight the Ten Rings like half the time. And the visualizations of the rings, I got to say, are so sick. Like I was like, all right, the rings, in my opinion, going into this movie, I'm like, all right, so they're just trying to sell us uh, a lightsaber type thing, except nobody wants to wear rings. So how are they going to do it? But they have these like floating ass rings and like shim, 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 shim. I was like, God dang, I need to get some of those. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to sell the 10 rings, but I might need to get about five. <laughs> um, So, yeah, Shang-Chi forces him into a nearby lake and it's a beautiful scene of Shang-Chi falling down in the lake and his father just like you know being kind of upset but he's like you know I gotta get our I gotta get my wife and your mother so um that was on you that was your fault and he's kind of gaslighting his son like over half the time he's got a very abusive father physically and mentally um you know it was your fault that she died you were 10 years old he should have whooped it's like god dang so um uh let me see uh so yeah he's forced into a nearby lake shang chi is and then uh enforces him into a nearby lake then attacks the gate with the rings and he's hitting him with like shim hit the shim with the shim with the shim this allows some of the uh dwellers minions to escape and when you go these minions get out they're like and they're like trying to like attack like the dwellers and when they're being when they're attacking the 10 rings guys are like ah! and they get like the uh uh the samurai snake eyes looking guy he's like taken out and he's like ah! and he's like soul sucked his right right through his ass or something like that it's not through his ass but it, you know it's from the ass up so you gotta you gotta watch out the soul suckers are the, they'll, they'll get your ass so you gotta watch out um so anyways, the Ten Rings basically join forces, combined forces to uh, join with the Talo villagers, I believe, because um, they're like, we don't know how to fucking fight these things. And, you know, uh, Michelle Yeoh's like, shim, 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 shim. We know how, um, uh, you know, to whoop some ass. And so the Dweller minions escape and the Ten Rings join forces with the villagers to fight them. Shang-Chi is revived by the Great Protector. And this the visualizations of the dragons are amazing. I want to go back and rewatch it on this new TV I got. Um, I was like, holy shit, this is uh, this is looking dope. So um, 
the Great Protector, which leaves the lake to battle uh, the minions. And it's like this dragon's like, it's like going through the water and fucking Shang-Chi's like, shim, shim, shim. I was like, God, this is crazy. Um, I was like, all right, now we got dragons in the Marvel Universe or whatever. Um, let's let's go. So Shang-Chi is revived by the Great Protector, which leaves them leaves the lake to battle for the minions. And so that thing is just like chomping at the minions. And so the only way to kill the minions are with like special spears or whatever. Um, Wen Wu and Shang-Chi fight once more and Shang-Chi gains the upper hand, but chooses to spare Wen Wu. And that's after um, uh, I think he he. He gains control of the rings at that point because his father almost like gives him. He's like, you're looking a little bit low on the rings. Here's five. And then, uh, you know, it's like you're not expecting uh, Shang-Chi if he's going to like control the rings or not, because it looks like they're coming to like attack him. He's like shim, 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 shim. He's like matrixing, matrixing the whole thing. He's like shim, shimming all the the rings. And then there's like this dust going all around him. And all you see is the. what do you see? Um, all you see is the dust kind of clouds around, and then you have the rings going around. It's like shim, shim, wow, wow, wham, wow. And it was really cool. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, and so they fight one more. He gains the upper hand, takes his father down, chooses to spare Wen Wu. The dweller in darkness escapes the weakened gate and attacks Shang-Chi. Wen Wu saves Shang-Chi and bequeathing him the rings before being killed by the dweller in darkness. And so that's actually when he, he gives him the rings. Um, and it was kind of like he like pushes his son out of the way so that the dragon takes him instead of his son. And I was like, no, the most interesting character. No, no. But um, yeah, so basically get, he gets skirked. I think he gets Tony Leon gets his life skirked from him. But he was also on a path of vengeance and you cannot live on a path of vengeance in the Marvel universe. Apparently Shang-Chi, the. Within reason, the Shang-Chi, the great protector, Xi Ling and Katie managed to kill uh, the dweller in darkness. And the whole time, Katie is like trying to like, I think she's like doing arrows and whoopsh, whoopsh. she's fucking Hawkeye in it the whole time. She's like, whoopsh. and this one guy is always telling her what she can't do. She's like, he's like, no women on the battlefield. Everyone's dying, but no women on the battlefield. It was like, all right. And then eventually he's like, women on the battlefield, women on the battlefield. It's like, there's a big fucking dragon out there. Women on the battlefield. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so uh, eventually there's actually a pretty intense part where I was like, the dragon ain't going to make it. I was like, the great protector ain't being protected. And then eventually we have Aquafina with the kill shot. Shim. And I got to say whatever her line was after that wasn't that memorable, but whatever, that's not her fault. Um, manages to the, uh, dragon and basically calls it a day. And, you know, we're all good after that. Um, Afterward, Shang-Chi and Katie return to San Francisco where they are summoned by the sorcerer Wong to Kumar Taj. And I got to say, there is this one uh, kind of small part where they are talking to this couple. They're like, yeah, at the beginning of the movie, we weren't shit. But now at this part of the movie, now we shit. I mean, now we now we're the shit. Not now. Now. Now that we shit. Whatever. You know what I mean? Now we're the shit. And so. Wong hits him with a shim, shim. He does the he does the uh, the magic shim. There's something so satisfying. I don't know if it's like an ASMR thing, but when I hear that Doctor Strange opening up the time warp thing when he's going in, he's like shh. It just sounds like a fresh one. I got to be honest. Um, in the mid credit scene. Wong introduces Shang-Chi and Katie to Bruce Banner and Carol Danvers um, while researching the ring's origin. They discover that the rings are acting as a beacon to something. 
In a post-credit scene, Xi Ling becomes the new leader of the Ten Rings, training women alongside men, despite telling Shang-Chi that she was going to disband the organization. We knew she wasn't going to do all that. We, 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 we knew what she was going to do. We knew I was like, Lee, I, Lee, you can't hang us. You cannot leave us, Lee. Lee, you think you playing us? <laughs> I don't know why Chris Tucker came out at the end, but it's it's a classic. Anyways. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to do that on the outro. But anyways, um, that is 2021's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Thank you for listening, watching Luck It Out Podcast. We could not do this podcast without you. Let me know how I can improve on the podcast. Let me know um, what you thought about the podcast, the review, the movie, all of those good things. Thumbs up, straight up your ass. No, I'm just kidding, not up your ass, but thumbs up and then subscribe, follow. We're on Twitch. We have Aftercast, Livecast, Podcast, all the casts, um, and uh, all that good stuff reviews, everything coming down the pipe. Be sure to check out luckydogpodcast.com. You can get early reviews. You can be listening to this review early as hell. This could come out days before, weeks before. We don't know. It, it all depends about how it comes down the pipe. I don't always determine what's coming down the pipe now, but let's just say if you're a Patreon member, you'll be getting it first. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, thank you for listening, watching Luckydog Podcast. Take it easy. My son, you can't run from your past. Is this what you wanted? You got this. Thank you. Jab, left foot, right hook.